Well, what a joy to baptize uh, little Colin today. Pay, or Sarah and Al, just great parents, great family that are part of our church. We're so thankful for them. And we're thankful for all the kids that we are going to baptize in the coming years. Um, one of my favorite sayings, it's a, actually a Greek proverb, although it, we're not sure where this came from. I've heard many different sources, but I'm going with the Greeks. And it says this, a society grows when old men plant trees in whose shade they may never sit. I love that. It's about vision. Um, I would also say, I would write it, a church grows when all the members of the congregation plant trees or invest in things that they may never see the total results of. That's why I'm so proud of our church that we have made this commitment. Um, our board of trustees has taken, a, I think, what I would say, a step of faith to um, spend money on a program that um, we desperately need in our church, not just to grow our church, but to reach out to children and youth in our, our community. As I read, the paper and everything online and all the rest, this generation, uh, both children and youth, are experiencing difficulties like maybe no prior generation in American history. And I feel that as a church, this is absolutely the best place where we can place our priority and uh, our energy and our prayers for the coming years. As you know, uh, we have hired Carrie uh, to head up our next-gen ministry with Scott and with uh, Leslie. And boy, I tell you, they're hitting the ground running. You know, in the next months, um, we will renovate our Christian Ed building uh, to make it appealing to kids of this generation. Uh, and we will launch this new next-gen ministry in August. So... I am telling people this is not just going to take the energy of Scott and Leslie and um, Carrie or even the staff. It will require all, it's a hands on deck, all hands on deck uh, undertaking. It's going to be a big undertaking. And so I want to encourage all of us to think about how we may support this very important endeavor. And one of the ways that all of us can support it and be involved, even those of you online, is we can pray for this ministry. And I, I think it's so important that we pray not only for our ministry of kids, but for kids in our society today who are facing challenges uh, that are just kind of unbelievable, really, and very foreign to what we experienced, even my young self experienced. Uh, growing up as a child and a teenager. So today, here's what I want to do. I want to look at a, a prayer uh, that we find in the book of Ephesians. And I have used this as a model prayer um, for many, many years, uh, both for, well, for all sorts of things, and we'll talk about that. But I want to read it to you now. This comes in the third chapter of Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, uh, verses 14 through 21, and most scholars believe that the first three chapters of Ephesians are really a prayer. 
And if you go back and read those chapters, they're pretty amazing. Paul is inventing compound words uh, in the Greek to try to describe the glory of God and what God has for us. And then we come to this prayer, uh, which is part of the prayer, kind of toward the end of this this three-chapter prayer. This is what Paul writes. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. You know, this, this kneeling really shows that he is passionate about this. Usually in that time when you prayed, you would pray standing. But he humbles himself and, and gets on his knees to pray. It's a heartfelt prayer that the apostle has. I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Now listen to these words. This is amazing. I pray that out of his glorious riches, all that God is and has, he may strengthen you, all of us, with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Interestingly, he says, to know this love that surpasses knowledge. It's beyond knowledge. He's talking about experience here. Not just head, heart. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, he kind of comes to a benediction here at the end. Now, to him who is who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Quite a prayer. Let's unpack this and see what God has to say to us today. Let's pray first. God, we pray that you would take these words from Uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, written so many years ago. And the meditation of my heart. And we pray that you would speak a very clear word to us that might encourage us and might motivate us to both pray for our children and our youth and the ministries that we are developing, but also to... uh, for ourselves to experience all that God has for us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I think I've shared with this with you this before, but I'm going to do it again. You know, I had a, a ritual every night uh, when our kids were little and uh, up as they, they grew up and lived in our home that I would walk into their rooms after they were asleep. Now, I always prayed with them before they went to sleep you know, prayed for guinea pigs and all the rest. <laughs> I remember that. But then I'd go, to, right before I would go to bed, I would go into their rooms and I would look at them sleeping. They look like such little angels when they're sleeping, right? First I'd go into my daughter Allie's bedroom 
and stand next to her bed and, and pray for her. And then I would go into my son's room, make sure I didn't step on any Legos, and I would pray for him. And I'm sure that many of you maybe have a similar ritual. If you don't, and you're a parent or even a grandparent, I, I would encourage you to do the same thing. Because we all, I bet all of us, pray for our children, our grandchildren, or your nieces and nephews, or, or people that we love on a fairly, fairly regular basis. Just about all of us pray. You know, I read a survey recently that said 90% of Americans pray on a regular basis. Isn't that interesting? With all the talk that we hear about, you know, the decline of faith and the church and all the rest, 90% say they still pray on a regular basis. And I am guessing that many of those prayers are for loved ones, you know, for parents, for friends, for... We always pray for those who we love, right? Now let me ask you this. What is the content of your prayer? Your prayers for your kids or your grandchildren or any other loved one. What do you pray for? I ask that question because really the content of our prayers, those things that we pray for and how we pray, reveal a great deal about how we view ourselves, what's important to us, and how we view God. Oftentimes, heartfelt like prayers, like this one that Paul has, where he said he kneels before the Father. You can tell it's a heartfelt prayer. Oftentimes, those heartfelt prayers are honest. And when they're honest, they reveal our deepest desires and our hopes, both for ourselves sometimes and also for those whom we love. They can reveal our values and and what's important to us. They reveal our hearts. Now think about that for a second. As you pray for your child or your grandchild, if you pray that your child will do well in school or be well-mannered or be a football star, then that really reflects your hopes for your child, doesn't it? In some way, that prayer reflects that you value education and sports and, and good manners, obviously, right? If you pray that your child will be successful and go to a great college, uh, then that reveals your hope, your dream for your child. Well, what do you pray for? Well, my prayer for my children that I would, you know, pray every night in this little ritual is very much like this one that Paul prays for the church in Ephesus. It's a great prayer. And it's a prayer that I have used many times for many years as I have prayed for myself and for my wife, my children, my friends. I've prayed this prayer for our church. In fact, this is really what I pray for, for our church and for all of you. And I've prayed it for other churches that I have served. I, will pr I pray it for the children of our church and the youth of our church. I pray this prayer for children. You know, when I, when I baptize them, that they would know their belovedness. I pray for this prayer when I visit people in the hospital 
who are going through difficult times, maybe facing death. I think it's a great prayer. It's a model prayer for just about anyone at any time. Well, what does Paul pray for? Let's look at this a bit. He prays that this church that he loves, the people of this church, first thing, may be strengthened in their inner being so that Christ may dwell in their hearts by faith. Man, he's praying for a personal experience of God, is he not? Not just something removed, but something that, that is real, that is right there with them. He prays that God will give them the Holy Spirit to strengthen them in their inner being, that they would live not on their own power only, but that they, through, they would live life through the power of God, that they would feel it and know it. He asked that the Ephesians would be empowered by something bigger than themselves, a power deep within He prays that Christ will inhabit the innermost, most intimate parts of the human personality. That's quite a prayer. You know, it's interesting about this. The most literal translation of of inner being here is this. That Christ will settle down in the little house of your heart. Isn't that great? Think about that. This is one of the most astounding truths about the Christian faith is that this great big God who created all that there is so big we just can't fathom how big God is, completely other, that this great big God will, for lack of a better term, be small enough to settle down in the little house of your heart. That's the gospel. And you see, as I pray for a child, as I baptize them, Pray for the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm praying for, that that they will know that Christ is not just with them. Christ is in them. In Christ. Christ in us. We see these two terms, which are interchangeable, so many times in the New Testament. This is the gospel, folks. And do you see why Paul is praying that that they'll just not have knowledge of this, but that they will experience this power. I think what Paul is saying here is, you know, there's so much more than you're experiencing. Tap into this power of the indwelling Christ who lives in the little house of the human heart. And you know what he's praying for? He's praying for the constant presence of the indwelling Christ that that they will experience this to a greater degree than they have known previously. Do you see why I pray for this, for 
people who are in the hospital who are facing just difficulties, that they will experience this power, the presence of Christ. You know, I was talking to a woman, uh, and I've had this conversation with many people, actually, but this woman was going through treatment for cancer, and of course, you know, if you've been with somebody, walk down that road, it can be really rough. Chemo, radiation, surgery. Oh, my gosh. I went through this with my associate pastor in, in, in Chico, 38 years old, diagnosed with colon cancer. A hundred rounds of chemo. A life, a week of hell after chemo. I mean hell, just awful. Then a week of pretty good life. And then another chemo treatment, same pattern, years. Six years he fought this. Had one lung removed, you know, all the rest. Finally, you know, just cancer got him. He went through all that for his kids and his family, but, ah, oh, it's horrible. It's a hard road. And I talked to him. He said the same thing, but this, this woman said, wow, you know, Steve, this is tough but I'm feeling the indwelling presence of Christ, and that's made all the difference. It's empowering me to get through this. It hasn't changed the circumstances, maybe, but is empowering her in and through the circumstances. And I have talked about many people, with many people who have experienced the same thing. And this is why I pray this prayer for my children and for all of us, that there will come a, you know, I pray this because I know that with my kids there will come a time when I'm not going to be present with them and they'll go off to, and have gone off to college and life and all the rest. And when the tough times of life hit, you know, I want them to have something bigger than themselves to get through. This indwelling power of Christ can do that. So first he prays for them to know the power of the indwelling Christ. The second thing he prays for is that, and I love this, that they would be rooted and established in love. Rooted. Roots down deep. I think of a big oak tree. Just the roots going down deep. That they, those roots would go down and that they would be rooted in this unconditional love of God that loves us no matter what. The grace of God that they would know that God loves them unconditionally. And he says, this amazing love of God that surpasses knowledge. And this is what I think is so great, that they would know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. Well, what's he talking about? You know, in Greek, the word know, it really refers to sexual intimacy. That's the kind of knowing. Man, emotional the whole thing, not just knowledge, but heart, feelings, that they would know this love, that it would grab their hearts. Man, when I think about what I wanted most for my kids and what I still pray for them, is that they would know this love, that they would know that it is unconditional and constant, that this, these roots would go way down deep into God's love for them. I think this is the most important thing I can pray for my kids and for all of you. 
You know, interesting that Paul is writing to a church in Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey, who is, uh, this church is going through severe persecution. And, you know, life in the first century was just precarious to begin with. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No safety nets. Health care was nothing like what we had. I mean, disease, you know, all the rest. It was precarious. And it's interesting that he's not praying that God would change their circumstances, which is often what we pray for, right? I mean, we can pray for that, but he's praying that in the midst of difficult circumstances, that they will have the resilience and the power to get through whatever circumstances may come their way, because Paul knows that life is tough, and we know that life is tough. And as I look at kids today, one of the things I pray for for kids is resilience. And I think resilience comes from this confidence, from knowing, and as I'm pointing here, I'm thinking a little Colin, that he will have confidence that he is loved and he is empowered by something bigger than himself, no matter what happens to him in life. Do you see the difference between those two prayers? You know, one of my uh, director of children's ministry and families, uh, she had this prayer uh, framed on her desk. And this was the, the theme for her ministry to our children. She was teaching a class um, called Raising Great Kids. And she told me about this passage. And it's just so important. I want to read it to you. She said, it says, attachment is the capacity, and this is attachment theory. Attachment is the capacity to relate to God and to others, to connect with something outside of ourselves. So important for all of us. When we make it an attachment, when we have the ability to attach to other people, good things are transferred between us and others, such as empathy, comfort, warmth, meaning, and purpose to life. Those are important things. Of all the character aspects we will deal with in this book, it says this is the most important. As the Bible teaches, love never fails. When we connect, and this is what I really want us to hear, when we connect deeply and lovingly to God and significant people, we can weather the many storms of life. We cannot overemphasize the importance of developing your child's ability to attach. All the tasks of life are based at some level on how, we, how attached we are to God and others. Do you see this? If we get this right, if we get rooted in God's love, then we can handle anything that life can throw at us. It's a great foundation. And Paul says this in his prayer. I love this part where he says, Pray that you would experience this love deep enough to reach us during our lowest times, high enough to overcome any problem, broad enough to embrace, embrace any situation bigger than us. Rooted in the love of Christ. Finally, the last thing that Paul prays for here is this. He prays that the Ephesians and us would get a glimpse of how big God is. And how capable, God not only just loves us, 
God is capable beyond all measure of doing great things through us. Did you get the sense in these final verses? It's a benediction, really, Paul says, now to him, God, who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and throughout all generations, eternity, forever and ever and ever. Paul's just going off here. <laughs> Amen. See what he's doing? He's trying to raise their sights. And you know what? We need to have our sights raised. To just see what God can do through us and through our kids. See how big God is. You see, because God's power is most often displayed through what? Through people. And God wants to work through the Ephesians. God wants to work through us. God wants to work through our kids. Empower them to do things that they never thought possible. You know, I'll close with this, this story. When our children were very small, we were part of a Sunday school class. And maybe some of you were, too, with other parents who were raising kids similar uh, in age to ours. And we met every week, and we prayed for each other. We supported each other through parenting which I think is one of the most humbling tasks in life, personally. Supported each other, supported our, our marriages. It was a great class. I, I hope that the young families in our church, that we can start something like this. Because some of my best friends are, are people who I knew in that, in that class. And I remember once we were reading this book entitled Roots and Wings, which is this chapter, is it not? That we would give our, our kids roots so that they could fly, right? Love makes all the difference. And there was a couple in that group, Gus and Diane Lee, great people, dear friends. Some of you may know Gus. He's an author. He's written a book called China Boy, um, a couple other books on leadership, different things. Very well known in the Bay Area. They love their kids, new Christians. Um, and it was their desire that their, their kids would know the love of God. This was their prayer for their kids. And they had a daughter named Jenna, who was like, you know, eight, nine years old at the time. Well, she grew up, obviously, uh, attended Whitworth University, and she became very involved or interested in social justice issues. Whitworth is a Presbyterian school in Spokane. My daughter actually went there. They do a great job. Their motto is heart and mind. Developing the heart and the mind. And she became very interested in um, social justice. In fact, as the kid, she was just, her heart just was for the lost and the least and the, the left out. At 12 years old, you know, she, she was walking with her mom in San Francisco and, and met a a homeless man and started talking to him and looking down at her patent leather shoes and then looking at this man, she realized, wow, there's a lot of difference here. She asked her mommy, does, does he have a mommy or a daddy? And they went out to dinner that night. She didn't eat her dinner. She kept it or she ate part of it and she kept the rest for this guy to give it to him. <laughs> they never found him, so they gave it to someone else. But 
early on, the point being, grabbed by social justice issues and the inequity in the world. And as she went to Whitworth, she came, became even more involved when it, with social justice issues, became involved in an AIDS awareness campaign, and just started growing. You know, there was a band at this time called Jars of Clay, which was a big Christian rock band. And they had a heart for, for ministry in Africa to, to provide clean blood, primarily for AIDS, and clean water. You know, that's one of the greatest needs in the world. It's just clean water. And so somehow she, this group, and Jenna connected, and they said, we want you to be the executive director of a new organization to bring <laughs> clean water and clean blood to Africa. So her college thesis her last year of college, she wrote a 25-page strategic plan, which she sent to this band, and they hired her. They said, you know, we're a bunch of artists. We don't know anything about this. We have a good heart, but we don't have time to do this. You do it. We're going to hire you. So 25 years old, or, you know, 22 years old, she becomes executive director of this organization with this huge vision to reach the poor of Africa. She said, it was a rough beginning for sure. We all stood quite humbly with a large vision on our hearts and a deep responsibility in our hands, but without any resources to be able to move forward, it felt impossible to start an organization from scratch and find a way to support it ourselves. We really believe that God, this big God, had called us to this, and we kept pressing on regardless of the lack of resources. She was working 70 hours a week for a number of months and didn't get a full salary for all those months, and then the money started pouring in. Short story on this, she ended up leading this organization that brought clean water through wells and hygiene training to over to hundreds of thousands of people. 600 communities. They funded a new hospice in Cape Town, South Africa, to, which serves as a model in addressing HIV, AIDS, and care for those people. Wow. You know, I remember watching the Democratic Convention in 2012, and there's Jenna Lee giving the closing prayer as one of the top 30 under 30. Roots and wings. You gotta have a big vision for who God is. You have to big, have a big vision for what our kids can become and how they can impact the world, but most of all, how they can be and know loved by God. That's what we're trying to do in this new ministry. So pray for us, will you? That we would be rooted and established, that we would know the power of the indwelling Christ, and that we would have a vision of a big God 
who can do the impossible. Amen. God, we pray for this new ministry of our church, and we pray that we would have a big vision for it. And we pray that through your power, we will reach families in our community with kids, parents, that you would use this to, you know, to just inject a breath of fresh air into our church. Thank you for the faith of our board of trustees to, to take a step of faith to fund this new ministry and all that we want to do. May you honor our faith. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.